to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight and made known to us. The mystery of his will, according to his kind intentions, which he purposed in him with the view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things in the earth in him. Father, we come today to look at this in our temporal minds and these uh, earthen containers. Father, the depth and the height and the breadth of this text is overwhelming. Father, I see the apostle tells us we need to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, as I, and even in my feeble study of this, am overwhelmed by the magnitude that is, as Paul says, is lavished upon us. Help us, Father, in all wisdom and insight that we may grasp this and we may understand the privilege of being in the body of Christ. In Christ's name, amen. I shared with you when we started into this that verse 3 through 14 is a sentence. It's 202 words, and it's one sentence. The Apostle Paul starts it off with uh, the aspects of blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then when you start looking at the doctrine that comes after that thing, all of a sudden, you're overwhelmed by it. And you understand the, the word blessed is the word we get eulogy from. And it means to speak well of someone. So we speak well of God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Well, look at this. Okay? So we're moving into it because I wanted us to understand that this is the Trinity's plan before the foundations of the world. Before there was ever existence, time, space, or matter. They had a plan. And part of that plan, you and I are involved in right now. You are in the body of Christ if you're his. And that was planned before the foundations of the world. And so what we're looking at is different aspects of what this plan is that he lays out in verses 3 through 14. And that's what we're in the process of. And we're moving into six, but we're dealing with a word that many of us use. I mean, even lost people use it. Some of you may or may not remember SNS green stamps. My grandparents used to have them books, and when you went to the store, you got a stamp, fill up the books, you went and got something. Okay, I remember that was all the cousins together got to lick all the stamps. We never got to pick what we got. We just, you know, got it. If you go back east, you'll find a lot of places where you'll have bottles that you can take back and redeem them. Okay? Shared with you that there are two words that we define from the Greek for redemption. Okay? One means out of a marketplace. Okay? You go, in, you go into the marketplace You'll see with the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, when he went to speak in, in Athens, they took him to the marketplace. That's where everybody was. That's the terminology that is used. There's another word. It's called lutron. Lutro. Okay, and lutro literally means to buy a slave for freedom. Okay. Hosea bought his wife to freedom. 
Okay, and that's that that's what that word that is the word that is used here to purchase freedom. Okay? Slaves were considered tools. They were no different than owning a donkey or a hammer. And you used them until you didn't need it anymore or it broke or whatever. And you could take it down and trade it in for a new model. All right. That is the word. So what I've done, I gave you the two definitions that we would look at redemption. And then last week, I wanted to contrast it. I wanted to compare it. If you will remember last week, chapter 5, verse 1 of Galatians, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. You have been bought out of slavery. And I told you who your master was. No, it's not the devil. Okay, it ain't demons. It isn't any of those things. It's sin. Your sin is your master. All right? But you have been set free from it. All right? So don't go back to it. And then I shared with you a text out of Second Timothy, where in the end times, men will be lovers of self. And Charles Spurgeon says, that's the sewer pipe that the rest of it pours out of. Okay? And you can look around. Whenever you find yourself in sin, know this. What is the center of sin? I, right? Okay. And when you sin, it is because you think you deserve whatever fill in the blank. All right. You've been freed from that. It does not have mastery over. It does not mean you will not battle it. All right. But the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is a Christian has the ability to overcome it. All right. But I looked at these contrasting words and, and, and I, I would give anything if the evangelical church would jump on this and teach this. Okay. First, there's a word that we use. It's called acquittal. Acquittal. And your Bible is translated justification. As a sinner, you stood before God and were justified because of Jesus Christ. That's what we call salvation. You have been justified. But there's also one to cancel a debt. To cancel a debt. All right. That is a term you see in your Bible that is translated forgiveness. Forgiveness. It means that you went in before God as a debtor and the debt was canceled. You were Forgiven. Third word, you see, is the Greek word for adoption. Adoption. You went in before God as a stranger. And now you are a son and a daughter. Fourth word is reconciliation. And it's just that. You have been reconciled. You were an enemy. Now you are a child. Fifth word is to be set free, to be set free. And that is the word we translate redeemed. Okay. The sixth word is the one that we're looking at, and it is redemption. Redemption. Now, you've got to under, I wish people would get a hold of this because this is all part and parcel of salvation. 
This is all there now. And yet, we will talk about one thing or another thing. No, it's like, and I used the illustration last week, if you've ever seen a raw diamond, there's just nothing good looking about them. It looks like a piece of opaque quartz. You just look at it and think, well, man, you know, you're going to get how much for that? But then you get a craftsman and he puts facets on that thing. All of a sudden it becomes clear and you can see through it. And when the sun shines through it, it gets all of these colors out of it. I watched this. I was in Tiberias in Israel. And it's one of the greatest diamond cutting places on the planet. And I'm like, Tiberias of Israel? What the? Who thought that up? And yet you got all these little guys with these great big goofy looking glasses and magnifying this and that and the other. And they got all these nasty looking rocks and they're making them look like these precious diamonds that everybody wants. And of course, they'll sell you one for a deal. You know, we're cutting out the middleman. (laughs) Really? Okay, I'm going to try to get that back in my airplane. But anyway, I share that because that is all salvation. We say we are saved. Do you realize you're justified? Do you realize you're forgiven? Do you realize you have been adopted? Do you realize you've been reconciled? Do you realize you've been redeemed? Do you realize that you have redemption? That's salvation. And when we look at this letter, it is speaking of the body of Christ. The first three chapters are doctrine dealing with the church. And I look at churches today and I'm like, they don't know this. They have no idea what this is. And it's, 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 it's sad when I look at what this is. So now we move in to the five aspects of redemption. Okay. First one is the redeemer. You see there at the end of verse six, beloved, beloved, in whom do we have redemption? The beloved one. The beloved one. Because, see, one of the things that you see about the Apostle Paul in all of his letter, he it just freaked him out his entire life. In Christ. In him. He just, it, it was mind-boggling. He just didn't, it never, he never got tired of thinking about that. Because we are in Christ. Because by faith we are made one with Christ. Do you understand that? You know, I I listen to people. And I it's basically humanism. That we need accountability. You know, we need people that we are accountable to. Well, wait a minute. Anybody here struggle with sin? None of you. Great. I guess I'll use you as my accountability. Okay. But if you really think about that for a second, where do you go to get away from God? Where do you go to get away from Jesus? Where do you go to get away from the Holy Spirit? How much more accountability you need? I mean, uh, well, somebody didn't see me have that thought when that guy cut me off. God did. And he still didn't hit that car with a lightning bolt. I still don't understand that. Because we are his body. 
He is the head. Because we are Christ in this world, collectively and individually. We therefore, have you ever thought about this? We therefore are acceptable to God in Christ. That ought to freak you out. A holy God who cannot look upon sin. But because we are in Christ, we are acceptable. And let me tell you something. Only in the beloved one can we have redemption. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. Only one redeemer. The beloved of God. That is the reason that you and I. Now get a hold of this. Can be called beloved. You ever thought of that? As a Christian, you are beloved of God. You ever thought about that? That's amazing to me. We are the beloved of God because we are in the beloved one. The only reason. The only reason. He is the one in whom we have redemption. Okay, redemption. What does it mean? I was bought at the slave block. From the beloved of God. This term beloved was God's special name for his son. He uses it regularly. Mark chapter 1 verse 11. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Christ Jesus is the beloved of God. Christ is the beloved one as the beloved one of God. He is the recipient. He receives all that God has to give out of his love. That's why he called him. My beloved son. He receives everything that my love has to give. All goes to Jesus. Okay? The only way we can ever receive this is that we are in Christ. When we are in Him. If we are in Christ, if we are in Him, guess what? We only receive everything that God has in His love. That's all. That's all. We receive it because we are beloved and we are in the beloved. Listen, I, I, I tell you, I, I watch a lot of people today and, and it's, and it's, and it's kind of, kind of, it's just a tad bit annoying, actually. Everybody's wanting a miracle. Think about what I just told you. There is no greater miracle on the planet ever. It is greater than speaking existence into being. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am a son. I am justified. I am forgiven. I am in him. I am beloved of God because I am in his beloved son. And you want what? No. 
You read these first three chapters of this letter and they will rock your universe. This is all in your possession now. I'm not waiting. I'm not striving to be beloved. It's a miracle. And is it a miracle beyond anything that we can even comprehend? When you stand in glory that instant, you're going to do the same thing everybody else does. Oops. Whoa. And we've been there a thousand years. What are we going to keep saying? Amazing grace. I think we ought to change it. I think it should be like phantasmagorical amazing grace. Well, I don't even get it. It doesn't, it defies the terminology grace. Listen, let me give it to you in a technical kind of understanding. There is only one individual in the entirety of existence from our vantage point, okay, who is the receiver of all the goodness of God. Okay, that is Christ. He only receives all of the goodness of God. That's all. Okay, it's limited. As we are in Christ, and only as we are in Christ, are we able to receive how much of the goodness of God? All of it. You ever thought about that? Do you know that the average Christian is lacking nothing? Absolutely nothing. You only have all of the love of God. That's all. It's been poured in your heart, Romans 5. That's all. It's all you got. All the goodness of God. All of it. I was thinking about the Friday I was coming out of my driveway, started down the street, wind was blowing, but when I go down my street, then it's north and south, and, and so the wind was coming from behind me, and it was blowing down the street, and I it was blowing, it was, I don't know if it was snowing or just just resettling it, um, but it was blowing, and I looked just, you know, you, right at the corner, and I thought, well, what the heck is that, and first thing I thought was, a horse got out or something like that. So what, what, you know, what's going on? And I look, and it's this goofy deer standing there right alongside the road. Just standing there. And I was like, wow, what the heck is, you know, I thought most of you guys crawled under trees until this kind of stuff moved. And then the next thing I noticed, I started as the wind would kind of let up a little bit. There was about 40 of them. And they're all just standing there alongside the road. And I'm like... And you know what? They could have cared less what I was doing. And I was just standing. And I thought, what are you? And then it dawned on me. They were waiting for me to get a, that past them so they could cross into my neighbor's. Got these trees standing out on the corner. And, they, and I watched them in my mirror. And they all just jumped across the fence and got up underneath those trees and parked it. But they had to wait for me to get by. Okay? See, that's just a snippet. Of God's goodness. I mean, you just sit there and you go, well, I mean, they, they, you know, I almost thought, well, I'll just invite them in the house and I'll put them in the living room. I'll build a little fire for them and they'll be fine until the storm's over. 
And they don't seem like they're really worried about anything. Do you see when you think about that if you are in Christ, you now receive all of the love and goodness that God is? Okay. Do you see why works is so damnable? What did you do to get in Christ? What did you do that God should show his love and his goodness to you? You're going to work your way to the beloved of God so that you'll be beloved. Christ is the beloved of the father. It is by him because it is in him that we are redeemed. There is no plan B. You know, I try to tell everybody or often. There is an innumerable number of ways to come to Christ. Okay, I can guarantee you just about everybody in here came to Christ in a different way. Okay, there's only one way to God. All right, there's only one way to God. Had that conversation with the gentleman who keeps visiting me every Sunday morning. And I was explaining this to him. And he says, well, you know, I, you know, I try to do good. And I was like, well, good. I said, have you ever sinned? Well, yeah. And I said, then you ain't good enough. What? Well, you just ain't good enough. I mean, you, you, break, you break one commandment, you're guilty of all of them. Well, you know, I honored my parents. and I, you know, We always want to do those. What do you do with that first one? There are no other gods besides him. I remember reading a thing about Martin Luther where he said he would go into confession in the morning. And it usually take him four and a half to five hours to confess before breakfast. And I was like, you got to turn the lights off. I mean, candles. I mean, it ain't like he was watching cable TV or anything like that. You know what he always confessed? I have not loved the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know what? None of us have. You, you can't name a, a nanosecond where I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I can be deep in prayer and all of a sudden think, oh, i got to change the oil in my car. That's wonderful. We are one with the Son. And the Son is accepted by the Father. If the Son is accepted by the Father, you know what that makes us? Sons. Children of God. You're not in the process of being adopted. We are then accepted by the Father. Do you realize how incredible that is? Have you ever thought of, just sat there and said, before God, I'm accepted. I'm justified. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm reconciled. I'm adopted. Other than that, I'm lacking. Christ wants to have every good thing and the Father loves the Son. Since the Father loves the Son, the Father will grant to the Son of His love, His beloved, 
the things the son desires. The thing that the son desires is that we have every good thing. It's all ours in him. Verse three in Christ. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, because we are in him, we are accepted. Because we are in him, we are blessed. God blesses us. For Christ's sake. That should. The, the church should get a hold of that. And yet we struggle with it. I mean. The book of Revelation. He writes a letter to the church in Ephesus. What happened? You lost your first love. You got good doctrine. You know how to test the teachers. You're doing good. Your works are greater today than they were yesterday. But you've lost your first love. Paul told Timothy, it will come a time in the church when men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. On and on and on. And he's not talking about lost people. He's having a form of godliness but denying the power. That's the church. Look at the church today. It has a form of godliness, but it denies the power. And it's all because we are in him. It's all because the church has strayed away from from doctrine. There's a pastor here in town. Well, not anymore. There was a pastor here in town. He told his people, if you want doctrine, go to talk to Terry. If you want spiritual blessing, you need to stay here. Oh, wait a minute. How in the heck do you get spiritual blessing without doctrine? I know. And everybody, as soon as you use that word, people go, oh, doctrine, gee whiz, I don't want to go to seminary. Then don't. But if you don't know who you're worshiping, then when you see him, are you going to know him? Listen, because we are in him, we receive the goodness of God. Because we are in him, we are now beloved of God. Let me ask you a question. Because I, I hear this, especially at the time of, of, of death. I shared with you last week, a, a friend of mine, his family in uh, back east, their 16-year-old daughter was killed in a car accident. She had just gotten her driver's permit, pulled out in front of a truck. She died instantly. Her mom's in intensive care. There's her little brother and sister, 11 and 13. They got bumps and bruises, but now dad has to prepare for the funeral of his 16-year-old daughter. Okay, that's some darkness right there, people. Because these people love Jesus. I mean, they all do, even the goofy kids. I was kind of surprised. Never seen anything like it. And I'm thinking about that father. He's got two kids here. His wife is in intensive care. And he's getting ready to do the funeral of his 16-year-old, his oldest daughter. What kind of darkness is he in? And yet I thought about it. And I ask myself this simple question. How close to God do you want to be? Ever thought about that? 
How close to God do you want to be? It's an interesting question if you think about it. Interesting question. But I'll give you this. If you're in him, you ain't getting no closer. Do you understand that? If I'm in him in chapter three of this letter, you're going to see that you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit who is cleaning up the house so that Jesus will be comfortable in your soul and that God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think or imagine. How close do you want to be? It's all because we are in Christ. Okay, now I want to show you something here that we miss a little bit. It's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really awesome. Okay, verse six says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestows on us in the beloved. Now some of the word bestowed there may say accepted. Both of those are good translations. Freely bestowed. Okay, you understand his grace, right? Charisma. It's it's we 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 corrupt that word. And we call it charismatic. It means grace. Okay, and they will say, well, that's a charismatic. And I tell everybody, well, I'm charismatic. And they go, what? And I say, yeah, I'm, I'm under grace. Okay, so we we see that word there. Okay, the word that you see there, freely bestowed. Okay, it's one word in the Greek. Okay, it's not, it's not two words. Kerato. You know what the word word is? Charis. You know what that word is? Grace. Okay? Literally with the two, they call it a diphthong at the end. And one, it's a long story. But anyway, the two O's at the end of it. Okay? It's like putting E-D on the end of a word. So if you read it, it would be by grace, you have been graced. Kind of interesting. Okay, I'll give you my deep theology on it. You ready? You've been dunked in a big vat of grace. Right? That's why my ministry is to rednecks. (laughs) Oh, I got that. (laughs) I understand exactly what he meant. Big bad of grace. Okay? God has graced us. He has immersed us in grace. We have been graced. You know what? One of the things I've learned in my years of walking with the king is that we lose a lot of really good words. Uh, they get shanghaied. It used to be it was a Catholic. And if you call them a Christian, they get mad at you. Okay, but now Catholics are what? Christian. Mormons are Christians. Okay, so, so, so we lost that word. We used to have the word grace, and now we have what is called charismatics, and that's grace maniacs. Okay? <laughs> I think I just made that up, but don't worry about it. <laughs> All right? But, but I share that with you because I like charisma. I like grace. I like being under grace. I like being dunked in a big vat of grace. But we've lost fundamental. Okay? 
And, and you, you just, you can't be, everybody's an evangelical. You can be an evangelical whatever. And I'm like, we're losing all of our really good words. I, I was, heard Dr. Sproul speak of it. And he says, I've got one they won't steal from us. And I said, okay, what's this going to be? And he says, we will call ourselves imputationist. And I was like, you're right. Nobody's going to steal that from us. You know what I thought when I read this? Have verse 6, praise the glory of His grace which He has graced on us in the beloved. You know what I thought? Start asking people, hey man, have you been graced? Then watch them roll over. Well, if you've been an imputationist, you've been graced. <laughs> and then they'll look at you like, okay. Doesn't just really roll off your tongue. Listen, the idea is, if you looked at this in, in its structure, you have been graced by which he graced us in the beloved one. That's how it would read. I mean, let's be realistic. Sometimes he freely bestowed. Okay, I understand that. He graced us. Or he accepted us in the beloved one. Okay, I understand that. He has graced us. Okay. God can say, now, when you read that and you understand what we're dealing with here in the context that this is the body of Christ. God can say of every Christian. Now, think about this for a second. Every Christian. I don't care how long you've been saved or how short you've been saved. He can say this of every Christian. I quote, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He can even say that about me. Even though I'm dunked in a vat of grace. He's probably sitting there going, man, can he come up with a better illustration? In Christ... This is my beloved child. You ever thought about that? I shared you this illustration before. I'll share it again. Years ago, Time Life magazine, when it used to be a Time Life magazine, or Life magazine, sorry, Life magazine, had a picture of the Oval Office, and uh, President Kennedy was sitting at that desk. Uh, it's got a name. I don't, it looks like a desk to me, but it's still in there. Every president gets to use this desk. But if you look in the front of it, you can't see underneath it. But there is a little bitty door. Okay? And they had this picture of Kennedy sitting at his desk. That little door was open, and John John was crawling out that door. And I thought, now, (laughs) there's a kid that's going to have stories to tell his friends when he gets to school. (laughs) I was playing under the president's desk. Okay? That's kind of cool if you think about it. But what does it mean to be the beloved son of God? That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans says that we have, because we have been justified, we can call him Abba. Abba. Aramaic for Papa. Daddy. We can call God Daddy. All because... Of the Redeemer. Christ paid that price. He bought us out. 
And he made us one with himself. Because of that work of the cross, you have been justified. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. You have redemption. You have been adopted. Other than that, you're lacking. Do you see the privilege of being called a child of God? We can all walk out of here today and ask our friends and neighbors, have you been graced? Would you like to be graced? Know this. There is no other redeemer. None. There's only one. And he paid it in full. And he paid it in such a way that you are beloved of God and you are children of the goodness of God. At the instant of your salvation. That should stun your universe. Should stun your universe. Because I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what heartache you've endured. If you think about that. It don't get no better. To think. God of existence. Can look at each of us. And say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, it ain't about what you're doing. It is about who you are in Christ. It ain't got nothing about, well, you know, they were a missionary to Botswana. Nope, got nothing to do with it. It's because you're in Christ. You're in Christ. See how awful works is? You can't take credit for nothing. And yet, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Wow. Wow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we are in Christ. Father, if anyone in this room does not know this emphatically, Father, please let today be the day of their salvation, that they may understand justification, they may understand forgiveness, they may understand sonship, They may understand redemption and reconciliation. Father, help us. Help us in all the things that we endure to be more than conquerors. And Father, that as we are Christ in this world, may each of us walk worthy of this calling. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen.